Welcome everyone to Ultimate Fighting Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Henson. So today we're going to talk about the UFC Fight Night South Korea, Bellator 235 and Bellator 236. There's lots of fights this weekend, some pretty big ones as far as in the, they go in the sport. Um, you've got McFarlane defending her title again in Hawaii. You've got what was the set return of Josh Barnett. And then you have a fight with Frankie Edgar and the Korean Zombie. The second fight for Korean Zombie this year. And also the first fight Frankie Edgar currently has scheduled. He had this fight scheduled and then won with Corey Sandhagen. And it's kind of like, uh, is he still fighting Sandhagen? Nobody really knows. So we've got that and then lots of news topics to hop into today. So it was a pretty hefty news week, which is pretty nice because that doesn't always happen. And then at the end, we'll kind of talk about uh, next week's fight card with Fedor and Rampage and Bellator and give a little preview of that. So let's go ahead and jump into this for the UFC Fight Night South Korea, on the prelims, we started out with a bantamweight bout between Haile Alatong and Ryan Benoit. It ended up going to a split decision, and it went 28-20. It went 29-28 for Benoit, 29-28 for Alatong, 29-28 for Alatong with the winner by split being highly Alatong. Then we go into a women's strawweight bout between Miranda Granger and Amanda Lamos. This ended in a first round, three minutes, 43 seconds, rear naked choke from Amanda Lamos. Then we had a bantamweight bout between Rayoni Barcelos and Saeed Nurmagomedov. And if I recall correctly, I believe Saeed is Khabib's cousin. This went to a unanimous decision 30 27, 29 28, 29 28 for Rayoni Barcelos. Then we had a featherweight bout between Alexandre Pentejo and Matt Snail. This ended in a first round, 4 minutes, 17 seconds, KO from Alexandre Pinteo. Then we had a lightweight bout between Omar Morales and Dong, Hoing, Dong Yong Ma, Ma. I've pronounced his name correctly like 20 times off of this podcast. Somehow I messed it up today. Dong Hoing Ma. And it went to a unanimous decision, 3027, 3026, 2928, all for Omar Morales. Then in the co of the prelims, they had a featherweight bout between Sang Wu Chai and Sunan Mokhtarian, which ended in a unanimous decision, 2926, 2926. 2925 for Sangwoo Choi, which is kind of amazing because very rarely do you hear of a unanimous decision that goes that much t- 
to the other, to one guy. 29, 25, and 29, 26. None of these are 29, 28, or 29, 27. It's very clear that uh, Sengwoo got those rounds, apparently. <laughs> then they had a heavy heavyweight bout between Cyril Gain and Tanner Boser, which ended in a unanimous decision. All three judges scored it 30-26 for Cyril Gain. So now we're going to jump into the main card, and I'm going to preface this by, I messed up. I knew this fight was happening at like 4 in the morning, and my plan was to wake up, watch it on ESPN+, Plus. you know, I can watch it back later. I don't have to get up at four in the morning to watch it. So I wake up, it's like eight thirty, nine o'clock almost. And I hop on Facebook. The first, and I am not kidding, the first thing I see says Korean zombie stops Frankie Edgar. It's just like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's like, oh, I messed up. So, we're going to talk about that later. I still watched the fights. So, we start off the main card with a bantamweight bout between Kyung Ho Kong and Liu Pinyon. Now, this, this was actually a very active first round for um, both guys. Kong took, uh, got two takedowns during the round and did lots of groundwork. Couldn't really pass the guard of Liu, but Liu was very active from the bottom throughout the fight, uh, throughout the round. He was still throwing strikes. I think he might have actually outstruck Kong from the bottom. Um, and if you happen to hear some extra background noise, that is my dog, and I am sorry about that. Uh, Liu actually managed to get, stand back up about a minute and a half left in the round as they got closer to the cage. And then Kong stood up in like the final few seconds and Liu was getting ready for an up kick if needed. Also, another thing I noticed is I really like the crowd here with this fight. They are very respectful of the ground game, um, which typically American crowds are kind of garbage when it comes to that but they're very respectful of the ground game they're very respectful of both fighters you can hear the whole arena just be quiet and then you'll hear them react when uh the, you know when there's moments to react to the second round is a lot more of the same thing kong gets another takedown this time they stay on the ground the majority of the round but Liu is very, very active, and those elbow strikes he's throwing from the bottom look nasty. They're just n nasty, nasty elbow strikes. They're landing hard, they're solid, they're very technical and accurate. Liu's left eye is kind of bleeding out a little bit from some strikes from Kong. 10-9 Kong, I think, just barely... Um, you could almost give it to Liu just because of the, the significance of the strikes and the quantity of strikes that Liu is throwing from the ground, but it's, it's a little bit difficult to make that decision, I guess. We go into the third round, 
standing up for like the majority of the round with Liu landing some really nasty shots. Kong looks pretty tired. Both guys with their accuracy and the skill level in these in the shots that they're throwing with their jabs and their kicks. It's just beautiful work. It's absolutely beautiful compared to what we usually see. Um, Kong eventually does get full guard in the top after Liu kind of backs up from a kick but uh, loses his balance and falls backwards and falls down. And he spends about the last minute and a half on the bottom, but continues to throw those nasty elbow strikes and what seems at more of a, a kind of elevated volume of them throughout this last minute and a half. He actually cuts Kong up pretty bad, too. Like I said, those were some nasty, nasty elbow strikes. And that lasts uh, till about 10 seconds left into the round, and he throws some up kicks. Doesn't really land them. And then we go to the judges' scorecard. 29-28 for Liu. 29-28 for Kong. 30-27 for Kong. And a split decision. Then we have a middleweight bout between Jong-Yong Park and Marc-Andre Berriolt. Now, th- th- this one's more of a stand-up fight. Uh, that's They start out... Park's throwing some bombs. Um, Barry Alt's throwing some really good strikes as well. Uh, eventually, there's an eye poke that that lands from Barry Alt. Uh, it was by accident. And then the replay, it looks like Park's almost lands an eye poke as well. But they take a few, you know, they take... Park takes maybe 15, 20 seconds to recover. They come back out. They touch gloves. They go, go at it. Park lands a couple strikes. Park went for a takedown. Um, Burial def- tried really hard to defend it. Um, it. Took about ten seconds for Park to get the takedown. He gets it, but Park uh, Burial immediately scrambles, and then they're almost uh, Burial gets on his knees. They're both like in a north-south position almost, but head to head, you know, <laughs> uh, both on their knees, and they're basically hand fighting, trying to get the upper hand. Park gets the upper hand, kind of transitions. Um, then they end up breaking. Uh, Park lands several good uppercuts in the, the remainder of the round. I think it's 10-9 for Park. In the second round, the first three and a half minutes were all Park, pretty much. Um, Barry Alt came out a little bit at the beginning of the fight, but he seemed kind of skittish a little bit based off of the uppercuts from the first round. because Those were some nasty uppercuts. In that first round. But Park ended up getting, I think it was two more takedowns during this round. And, you know, he, he really had to work for the takedowns and kept pressuring against the cage as Barry Oltz stood back up. He got Barry Oltz back. He had really good head placement when it uh, let Barry Oltz, like, rotate to where Barry Oltz uh, had, it, where it was front to front again. And eventually Park uh, broke from the exchange and they just went back to boxing. And Barry Alt, right after they broke from the exchange, Barry Alt came forward and was progressing forward and was pushing the, the, the pace and the control of the octagon. He landed a few strikes. Park landed some heavy strikes as well. And uh, up till about 
the three and a half minute mark, I really had it going 10 8 for Park just based off of how the judges were scoring other fights throughout the night. With the last minute and a half and Burial getting more active, I went 10 9 for Park still. Um, third round, Burial came out pretty quickly with some strikes. He was very much more active during the third round. Really fought like, you know, he knew he, he needed to, to win this round in order to win the fight. It, he he did outstrike Park by a couple strikes this round. Both guys had some really nice strikes. Burial actually got cut up above his eye. But this ended up going to a decision. The judges scored at 30-27, 29-28, 29-28. All for Park. And he, he had a really, uh, he had a good post-fight interview with Brett Okamoto, and it, it was entertaining because his his voice does not match his body, and he he commented on that and was like, you know, I I, I know how my voice sounds. I know it's it, it's very different than than what you would expect. It was very entertaining. So from there, this next bout is a light heavyweight bout between Daun Seda Jung. And Mike Slow Rodriguez. Mark Goddard is the ref. A couple leg kicks from Rodriguez. A front kick from Rodriguez to the stomach. Another leg kick. Jung with a jab. Left, right. Rodriguez with lots of kicks. Not, not a whole lot of punches. Jung with a nice jump front kick. A good right jab from Jung for the knockout on Rodriguez. He lands a couple more strikes after um, Rodriguez falls before Goddard pulls him off. Just very quick, and then Goddard was right in there. It ended up being a round one KO, one minute, four seconds. Is absolutely Beautiful jab by Jung. Then we have a featherweight bout between the Korean superboy Duho Choi and Charles Air Jordan. Now, this first round was absolutely insane. The Korean superboy rocked Jordan multiple times. Um, Jordan and Jordan rocked the Korean Superboy at the end of the first round as well. He actually knocked him down, and it th- this was an insane first round. It was phenomenal. It was great. I loved it. Lots of action. Lots of knockdowns. Super exciting first round. Then in the second round, Jordan came out a lot more. He was striking a lot more. He was landing solid strikes, really rocking Duo Joy. Um, I think if this one would have gone to the end of the round, it would have gone to Jordan 10-9, and we would have gone into the third round with a, each, you know, so far with the draw with each guy having a round. But Jordan actually land, uh, lands a left hook on Duho Choi's chin perfectly and gets a TKO as Duho Choi falls, and he lands a couple more strikes before the ref pulls him off. Um, Air Jordan asked Dana for the bonus. He actually gets the $50,000 bonus 
I assume for knockout of the night or round of the night or something. So it was beautiful fight. It was really good, very active uh, from both guys. Really enjoyed this fight. Um, and apparently he's going to be moving out of his parents' basement now. So congratulations to J- Jordan. Um, and Du Ho Choi, we probably won't see him for a couple more years just because he's starting his mandatory military service for South Korea. And that'll be two years at, at minimum. So uh, hopefully when he comes back, we get to see him win some more fights because he's a really exciting fighter. He's really technical and he's really good. Then we go into our co-main event, a light heavyweight bout between number 8, Vulcan Ustamir, and number 10, Alexander Raychek. So Raychek comes out throwing some heavy bombs, and Vulcan backs up and ends up running into the cage. And Raychek throws a knee strike, um, and then goes for a guillotine, standing guillotine chokehold up against the cage. He ends up getting, uh, after that he gets a single leg trip takedown and he doesn't make very far, um, he doesn't really do much with the takedown he gets Vulcan's back but that's about it, they end up standing up not too long after he throws some strikes uh, Raychek lands some heavy strikes throughout the first round I give it 10-9 to Raychek then we go into the second round with much more of a stand-up, uh, stand-up fight. Rakic did go for a couple of takedowns, but Vulcan uh, Ustamir did def- a decent job defending him. Kept it on the feet for the most of the round. Um, the the main thing that really distinguished this round and distinguished Vulcan to to kind of take the round for him is the leg kicks. He threw a lot more leg kicks this round, um, got a lot more in there. Uh, both guys were fairly active. It was a close round, but I think this one goes just slightly to, to Ustamir. He threw a lot of leg kicks, really damaged the, the left leg of, of Rakic. There's huge amount of swelling on, on this, on Rakic's front and left leg there. Right under his knee, just huge. It's like he's growing a second knee <laughs> at an angle. It's just ridiculously huge. Um, then we go into the third round. The third round was a, a very even striking exchange. They actually threw the stats up for the strikes about maybe a minute left, 45 seconds left with the round. And Uzmir had a slight lead, 26 to 24. but then um, Ratchik went for a takedown and unsu- was unsuccessful with it. Managed to get some clinch game against the the cage. Um, Ustamir just has a really good takedown defense there. They were both throwing really strong strikes in this third third round. I had this third round as a draw. So going into the judges' scorecard, I, I had the fight as a draw. One one round apiece. And then a draw for the third. I, I I really could not determine a winner of that third round. So whatever the judges des- decided, I wasn't going to be upset. Um, so the judges scored it 29-28. Rakic, 29-28. Uzdemir, 
29-28 Ustamir for a split decision victory for Vulcan Ustamir, which is, yeah, it's very understandable. It's a super close fight for these guys. Um, Ustamir is currently ranked number eight, and he's had a, a pretty up and down career, especially since his uh, loss to DC. So we'll, you know, we'll see where he goes from here. Um, and, and Ratchik definitely had a really, he still had a really good performance tonight, even though he lost. Uh, you know, it was, it was that's what I'm saying. It was an even fight, super even fight, super good fight from both guys. So we'll see where they go from here. In the post-fight interview with um, Ustamir actually calls out Reyes. He wants that fight again. He he thinks he won that fight, and, and I have to agree. He, I mean, at the time, I I thought Reyes, I thought Ustamir won that fight. I thought Reyes lost it, but it was a very close fight. So, and the judges on paper went with Reyes, but I would not be upset about seeing that fight ran back it was a close fight the first time they had it i think it'd be a great fight the next time they have it then we go into our main event which is a featherweight bout between number four frankie the answer edgar and number six chung sung jung the korean zombie korean zombie actually has a four inch reach advantage in this fight and Brian Ortega was actually supposed to fight the Korean Zombie initially, but had to pull out due to an injury, if I recall, a shoulder injury he had to get surgery for. And Frankie stepped in, and Frankie has a bout against Corey Sanhagen, scheduled in January, which is kind of up in air now. The Korean Zombie and Frankie Edgar start out the first round striking, Korean Zombie lands some heavy strikes on Frankie. Frankie gets rocked. He falls back against the side of the cage. Korean Zombie just keeps on landing and keeps going fast. He manages to take Frankie's back. Um, gets his hooks, presses Edgar's legs out, flattens his, tries to flatten him out. Frankie's trying to move, can't really do much because of the hooks, like hooks. Korean Zombie just keeps striking and going, but Frankie is really, really trying to uh, get up and defend himself. Take note, Colby. This is how you defend yourself. <laughs> and Frankie's still doing, you know, he's still trying to get up. Korean Zombie's got uh, hooks around the body now, doesn't have his legs flattened out anymore. He's trying to flatten those. He flattens the legs back out again. And then just keeps on striking. Just quickly. Just consecutive strikes to the side of Frankie's face. And Frankie pushes him back up. Korean, uh, to where Korean's legs are around Frankie's uh, um, stomach again. Instead of his, his legs. Until Korean Zombie flattens him back out once again. And just once again just strikes the side of Frankie's head. About two and a half minutes left in the first round. And they're pressed up against the cage. Korean Zombie can't really flatten Frankie out anymore because of this. 
Green saw me was going to go for a rear naked choke, but didn't get it. Then he stands back up, lands a few more solid hooks onto Frankie. Frankie falls down, and Mark Goddard calls it. Frankie was super bloody during this uh, first round and only round. Really trying hard, but Korean Zombie was really, really pushing it and was really going at it. Uh, good job by Mark Goddard and his referee. Didn't stop it too early. Really gave Frankie a chance to get back in this fight, but Frankie just he just couldn't do it. It's a short, tight left hook that just rocks Frankie. The really the thing that really put him away was an uppercut and then a couple uh a right left. And just Frankie just got wobbled again. And Goddard stopped it and Frankie realized, oh okay, it's over. The Korean Zombies your winner. Three minutes eighteen seconds into the very first round by TKO. So a couple questions kind of do come from this as far as uh, Frankie goes and the Korean Zombie goes. Korean Zombie was originally supposed to face number two, Brian Ortega. And if he would have beat Brian Ortega, that definitely would have put him in line for a title shot against Alex. He did call out Alex Volkanovski once, Alex. Um, but one problem is Volkanovski just got done with the surgery. He's going to be probably going to be out for a while. Uh he just had soldier sur- er, no, surgery on his, his hand. He broke his hand during the Max Holloway fight during the, in the second round and just had surgery. There's no timetable yet on when his return is expected. So, it, you know, it, I would expect he's probably not going to be fighting in the next few months. And so Korean Zombie versus Volkanovski. Korean Zombie's probably got one more fight he could get in before fighting Volkanovski. Especially being ranked number six. You know, it sucks in this situation because he, he, he beat Frankie instead of Brian Ortega. Um, and that, that, you know, that puts a pickle in it for Korean Zombie. And there's so many guys uh, uh, ahead of him that could be good title containers. I mean, you got Max Holloway. Uh, you got Sabit, who, who's been climbing up the ladder pretty quickly himself as well. Yair, who's who's been going up, and Yair with you know Yair and Green Zombie had that mat had that fight last year, which was a really good fight in the war, and Green Zombie w- was winning it up until the end of it. That'd be a good one to run back. The only problem for Green Zombie with that fight is that really doesn't push him up in the rankings anywhere because Ayer is ranked number five, Korean Zombie is ranked number six. Really doesn't do anything for him. Sorry, uh, I, I just got taken aback. I was looking at the rankings and Jose Aldo dropped five places. He dropped five places. He's ranked number nine in, in um, Bantamweight. But he dropped down to eighth place in and um featherweight. And I mean we're talking Jose Aldo here. I you know, I, I, I get it, there's a lot of guys above him who's been doing some really good competition. And but five. Wow, that is crazy. So you got Hallway, you got Ortega. Got to be, you know, any of those guys would be great guys for Korean Zombie to face next. 
Now, the Frankie Edgar part, Frankie was supposed to fight Corey Sanhagen in January. So, now what happens with the Corey Sanhagen fight? Because Corey's, what, he, he's going to fight a Frankie Edgar that just lost and just dropped in the rankings. And I mean, yeah, he could still have that fight. It's still Frankie Edgar. But that doesn't really do a whole lot for you in the, the rankings and doesn't get you a whole lot closer to a title against um, Cejudo. Especially when, you know, right now they're eyeing um, Aldo and Marais just beat Aldo, but Marais lost to Cejudo earlier this year. And then you have Sterling and Pieter Jan, who, who both are, you know, really up there and really deserving of title shots. And so, you know, you could have Corey fight either of those guys, but, eh, you know, you, you have this issue in the, in, in the Bantamweight division where there's a lot of guys who, who could be contenders for that title and you could have arguments for it. But it's just, you know, which one should be next. And that's the hardest part right now. Um, so you could still do Corey versus Frankie. I just, I don't know how that benefits Corey beating Frankie Edgar at this, this point. There's no disrespect against Frankie. We all love Frankie. We all love him as a fighter, as a veteran. But realistically, Frankie's coming into the bantamweight division. He's going to be new to the division, and he's coming off of a loss. I don't know that a win for Corey over Frankie really does anything for Corey Sandhagen, especially when Peter Yawn just beat Uriah Faber. And Aljamain Sterling's, you know, he's had some no pretty notable wins recently, too. Both these guys are, you know, they're up there. The, the top of this division it is always revolving rankings of you know who who deserves it most and i don't think that this fight's really going to benefit Corey sandhagen and it really sucks for him um because he you know he he didn't really get any say in this at all but let's go ahead let's jump over to some bellator talk real quick um, I didn't see most of the fights. I saw a couple of them. I saw some highlights from the McFarland fight. But I did want to talk about a few things. The Friday night card was supposed to be for... Uh, was a fight for the troops. Josh Barnett was actually supposed to be making his Bellator debut. Um, he got sick and had to pull out. He was very saddened by this. So on but Friday's Bellator card, Bellator USO, as they're referring to it as, on the pre- Josh Barnett had to pull out due to illness, and the co-main event actually got bumped up to be the main event. So we start off the, in the prelim card, there was a fight between Cass Bell who defeated Pierre Daguzan in a unanimous decision 30-27, 29-28, Then there was a... Then Joseph Creer defeated Ty Gwerder via unanimous, unanimous decision 30-27, 30-27, And then in the main event of the prelims, Hunter Awald defeated Bryson Bullehow 
via submission, rear naked choke, 1 minute, 42 seconds of the very first round. This was Hunter Wald's debut fight and first win. Um, Bryson's second loss now. And second fight. Then on the main card, we have a bout between Joey Davis, who defeated Chris Cisneros via TKO, 3 minutes, 55 seconds of the very first round. Then Taiwan Claxton defeated Braden Akio with unanimous decision, 30-27, Then Alejandra Lera defeated Veta Artic. Tega via unanimous decision. All three judges scored it 30-26. Ouch, that's pretty brutal. <laughs> Got a tenate from all three judges. Then we go into the main event with a bout between Toby Musek and Eric Perez. Toby Musek actually came in six pounds overweight. Now, he did win the fight 54 seconds into the first round. Via a nasty left hook KO that just dropped Eric Perez immediately. And the fight got called immediately. Let's go ahead and touch on the Bellator Hawaii card real quick. We'll go ahead and go over the fights. On the prelims, there was about between Keone Diggs and Scotty Howe. It ended up... Keone Diggs defeated Scotty Howe. By submission, rear naked choke, 2 minutes, 23 seconds in the second round. Kai Kamaka III defeated Spencer Higa. Unanimous, unanimous decision, 30-27 from all three judges. Then Dustin Barca defeated Brandon Piper with a rear naked choke, 58 seconds into the very first round. And then Benjamin. Wilhelm defeated Kai Ali Kinekoa by submission, rear naked choke, 2 minutes, 24 seconds into the first round. I'm really sorry for butchering your name because I guarantee I messed your name up terribly. Then the main event of the prelims was about between where Swain Lunasco defeated Kalen. Drospe via TKO, 3 minutes, 29 seconds into the third round. Then we go into the main card, where Zachary Zane defeated Nanoa Dung via unanimous decision, 29-28 from all three judges. Rafian Stotts defeated Chaden Lealoha via unanimous decision, 29-28. 30-27-29-28. Then Juliana Velasquez defeated Bruna Ellen via unanimous decision 30-27-30-27-30-26, possibly lining herself up for a title shot. And then Jason Jackson defeated Hiichi Kunamoto Unanimous decision, 30-27 from all three judges. And then AJ McKee defeated Derek Campos via triangle armbar. One minute, eight seconds into the third round. 
And then Alima Lay McFarland defeated Kate Jackson in unanimous decision 50 45, 50 44, 50 44. For a very good fight between them. And Alima could possibly be fighting Juliana Velasquez next with Juliana's win tonight. Or last night. So that'll be good to see. So let's go ahead and jump into a little bit of news from the last week. Some news related to the fights, some other news. And then we'll go ahead and talk about Bellator Fedor versus Rampage. The last, well, actually, I think it's like not the last fight of the year. The next to the last fight of the year, because after that, you have the PFL Championships on New Year's Eve, which I'm actually looking forward to. So a couple of news topics this week. Um, first off, if you're not following Chase Hooper on Twitter, he's a new UFC fighter, and he's got curly hair, and Frankie has curly hair, and Sugar Sean has curly hair, and Ben Askren has curly hair, and Chase Hooper is phenomenal on his Twitter game lately, so you should really fo- give him a follow, he's really great on Twitter. So let's go ahead and talk about a couple of fight announcements real quick. Cejudo and the UFC came to an agreement as Cejudo relinquished the flyweight title. So there, uh, on the February 29th fight night, there'll be a bout between Joseph Benavidez and Figueredo for the vacant flyweight title. And see, on March 7th, there were two fight announcements actually made. Izzy versus Yoel for the title, and then Whitaker versus Cannoneer. Um, on March 7th, it's going to be UFC 248 in Las Vegas. I didn't notice before until I wrote it down that these two fights were on the same card, and I really like that because I, I see their planning. They're like, uh... C.O.L.'s missed weight a few times for title fights. Let's just really make sure we got this planned out. And then if it works out, then whoever wins this fight, you know, the next contender, it works out great. I really like that. Um, I think it's a great plan. I hope you all makes it. Um, if he doesn't, I hope they still have the fight anyways. And I know Izzy really likes that fight because Joel is an absolute destroyer and he's just a phenomenal fighter. Now, a couple of signings that happened. Rory McDonald signed with PF- PFL. Um, he will be starting next year in the 2020 welterweight season and eyeing for that million dollars, of course. But he sat down on Ariel Hawani's podcast this week and did an interview with Ariel Hawani. It really sounds like um, Rory's going to stick with PFL for a few years, and then we'll we'll see what happens from there. Liz Carmouche, who was recently released from the UFC for reasons still unknown to me because it made zero sense, she signed with Bellator. So that's a good, good pickup for Bellator. 
with Liz. Some good fights over there for her. We've seen a few UFC fighters leave and go to Bellator lately. Now there's a couple suspensions that happened. Um, the Nevada State Athletic Commission suspended PFL's Alex Nicholson for four years for an in-competition test that related to his October 31st uh, fight with the PFL playoffs against um, and he tested positive for three steroids and that was reported by Mark Ramondi then Priscilla Cochera accepted a four month suspension from USADA now in other news ESPN raised pay-per-view prices starting in 2020 with the Conor McGregor Cerrone fight and then all the pay-per-views after that. They raised it up to $64.95. It's a $5 raise from what it was before with the $59.95. Now a lot of people are going to be upset about this um, and it's it, it's funny because all those people that are going to be upset about this are going to be the same people that that talk about uh, you know just using strings all the time. Which, by the way, if you're one of the people that uses streams all the time, Brendan Schaub wasn't the guy who let UFC onto you. First off, him and UFC rarely talk. Secondly, they knew about streams well before Brendan Schaub started talking about them. I guarantee you that. Um, if you do use streams, you get like no conversation. You get like no word. And the conversation about fighter pay. Because you're not helping fighters. At all. And I almost guarantee you. All the people whining about the five dollars. You know. Uh, you know, I, I somewhat get it. Yeah five bucks. It's whew, That's only five bucks a month. That's another coffee. And seriously. That's like a coffee at Starbucks. Coffees at Starbucks are ridiculous. But moving on from there, you know, their prices are six four ninety five now for pay per views. It's five bucks more than it was uh, this year. You know, you see how that that goes. Clearly, their pay per views must be doing pretty good. UFC. There was an article on UFC.com calling DC the fighter of the decade, and I can't necessarily disagree. I, I, I can't really disagree with that. I could offer lots of people that who could be in the conversation of who the fighter of the decade is. Um, DC's a phenomenal pick for that. You know, he's was on an absolute tear in the heavyweight division, then moved down to light light heavyweight, and then moved back up to heavyweight. Won the title at light heavyweight. Won the title at heavyweight. Defended the title at light heavyweight multiple times. Beat who a guy who is considered the greatest of all time at heavyweight for the title in remarkable fashion. Um, he's had a remarkable career, and it's all within the last decade. And you know, he's tr- slowly transitioned from that to being a commentator and coach, and it's been a phenomenal ride. And he's a class act. Congratulations, DC, for that recognition. Now let's talk a little bit about Bellator's card. I'm actually really excited about this one because you got two legends like Fedor versus Rampage. Now this card's going to be happening in Japan. It will be on Saturday night. There's not a Friday night card to accompany it. It's just Saturday. 
So, I could not find the prelim fights, but I did find the main card fights listed on Bellator's website. It starts off with a lightweight bout between Goiti, Yamuchi, and Darren Cruikshank. And then we have a, a women's flyweight bout between Alara, Joanne, and Kana Watanabe. And then a welterweight bout between Lorenz Larkin and Kieta Nakamura. And then we have what is weird because I've never seen this in another organization other than them calling it a catchweight. They're calling this a contract weight fight of 173 pounds. Apparently there was an agreement that, you know, we're not going to make 170. So let's, you know, we'll do 173 and we'll call it good. Instead of in UFC where you just show up six pounds overweight and still fight, call it good. Ah, missing weight, you know. But this 173-pound contract weight fight is between Michael Venom Page and Shinsho Anzai. And then we have another contract weight fight at 160 pounds between Michael Chandler and Sydney Outlaw, which is interesting because on the website it has both guys listed at 155 pounds. So they're both listed as lightweights, whereas the the other fight one of them was listed at 170 173 pounds. But then we have a our main event, we have a heavyweight fight between former Bellator champion, former Pride champion, former many champions, Fedor Emelianenko, and former UFC Rampage Jackson. I am excited for that fight because these are two legends of the game. And I bet you, if I asked you right now, I'm asking you, I'm giving you a few seconds to think, which guy has more fights in MMA, Fedor or Rampage? Rampage does by seven. Fedor is walking into this 38 and six. Rampage is 38 and 13. Wow, Fedor is a lot smaller than I thought, according to this. According to Bellator's website, Fedor weighs in at 225 pounds, which I find a little bit hard to believe, but we're going to go with it. 225 pounds for Fedor and 265 pounds for Rampage. The reason I find that 225 hard for, to believe for Fedor is I just have a hard time believing that there's a 40-pound weight difference between Fedor and Rampage. Um, I have a hard time finding that one to believe, especially because Rampage fought at light heavyweight before too but i'm really excited for that but this is like a nostalgic fight a veteran fight you know um i think it'll be really good both guys are really good fighters and have had such amazing legacies so we will be back next week to talk about the bellator fight and maybe some more news topics.
So thank you, everybody. I'm Justin, and I'm out.